Jurassic Park for a minute, we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, One Minute at a Time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And back for uh, a requested minute he wanted to talk about, Mr. J Jurassic. Hello, sir. How are you guys doing? Glad to be back. Back again. I am detecting a theme here. Whenever we come across a man-made structure on Sauna, you're, uh, you're back to talk about it. Yeah, it seems, it seems yes, that's, that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll get to all that in just a couple of minutes. Up first, our uh, little look in over at Jurassic-pedia.com has uh, an article, David, you put up of the uh, Ken Wheatley costume guide. Uh, yeah, actually, in fact, I just recently um, edited it. Ed- I'm such a trouble with that word. I recently updated the article with um, Ken Wheatley's uh, vice grip pliers that he uses to extract teeth. <laughs> I yeah, see this, that at the bottom. this. What's that? I see that picture at the bottom. Uh, yeah, this one was a fun one to do. It was um, actually su- suggested for me to do it, and I'm actually teaming up with um, Emmanuel Chen with from JP Motorpool. Um, to kind of help update each other's and work with each other on our costume guides. And this one was done, um, this one was done kind of like late at night with a, or on suggestion of a friend. And so basically almost everything he wears is like khaki military wear. He's got the BDUs, the World War II officer shirt, jungle boots, and even, even his hat and belt are, uh, military surplus and his sunglasses are Ray-Ban the general uh, model which is kind of kind of ironic considering that everything this guy is wearing is military surplus yeah. and the only thing that was kind of really really hard to find is was the um, the pouch that he keeps the tranquilizer darts in because it's actually a modified item and not something original. They took a turbine uh, leather cartridge wallet and then just kind of cut it up to make it into the film version that we see. And I still haven't actually found the um, rifle case. That one, that one still is escaping me. That's actually, it's pretty cool that you're talking about that because, um, I was actually recently looking at that same um, uh, guide of wardrobe for Wheatley, and I was like, military, 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 military. <laughs> I'm like, this guy is just just screaming military. His entire wardrobe is just military mm-hmm. to the T. I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, and so that was that was you. That's awesome, man. I, I was looking at those. I I found. Randomly, I found the the Grant one, and then I was just like, "Oh, look, costume guides! All right." And I started going through, and then that's one of the ones that that caught my eye was a Wheatley one, and then I was just like, "Wow, this guy just went to town at a military surplus store!" Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of an interesting too. Like a couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, Jerry Harding and the veterinary veterinarian costume for Jurassic Park, and just how sort of simple items put together, and it's pretty. Um, pretty easy to see what character you're dressed up as we're here even availability most of this just is military surplus so it'd be very easy to get your hands on majority of the clothing anyway not so much the pouches mm-hmm. but and put together well you'd pretty much just call it a general mercenary costume um, mm-hmm pretty much just without the guns <laughs> yeah they're, they're um well 
if it's a, uh, you know, you can have some of those like uh, the fake replica guns if you go to like I guess like a party or or like costume party, but like with cosplaying, they're really really coming down on on weapons in uh, most um, conventions now. I think yeah. I went. I went to the East Coast Comic Con, I think, uh, like a month ago, I would say, and I went with my sister, and I, my sister is in um, law enforcement, and she actually mentioned when we were going in there that she's like, they're really going to come down on a lot of like the the replicas of weapons, and she's like, it's it's sad though because, um, I mean, if if you're like an anime character and, and your weapon is one of those like big swords or something like that, they don't even want none of that anymore. They're trying to take out all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The sad thing is, is it's like, I mean, you can't even get away with it even if it's foam. Yep, it's yeah. it's getting to that point. Uh, uh, I think I've said this before on this podcast, maybe. Um, but when I dressed up as Hammond for um, the year Jurassic World came out, 2015, I went to the New York Comic Con. Uh, I only went on one day. It's very expensive, and uh, I just couldn't go for all three or four days or what it is. So I went on Thursday, and um, I was there full costume of John Hammond. Actually, like I, I, I eventually, I first dressed up as John Hammond for the the release of the film. I went to my local theater. My sister dressed up as a park ranger from Jurassic World. I, I was Hammond. But then when I went to the Comic-Con, there was going to be more people. I actually trimmed down the beard a little bit more, made it more neatly, just like Hammond. And I went over there, and as I'm walking in there, they told me I couldn't use my cane. So the rest of the rest of the con that I was there, I just looked like some old guy from Havana. Like, I, I, <laughs> I mean, unless you actually were a fan of Jurassic Park and not posing around with a T-shirt that says Jurassic Park, but yet you don't know... Um, what's the difference between a raptor and a T-Rex? You didn't know who I was, and and we got to see like with my friend DC Villain how many people are wearing Jurassic Park shirts and don't know Jack about Jurassic Park because I'm standing right next to them walking by and my friend would be like, "Look, Jurassic Park shirt," and then he'd be like, "You know who that is?" And they're like, "No," I was like, "Wow." <laughs> so I had to roll up one of those like free posters that they give out or whatever. And I, I, I was still able to hold on to my, like, amber piece. So I put it on top of the poster and just held that as, like, a cane. And then, like, it was more easy for people to recognize that aren't so used to Jurassic Park or aren't big fans of it. But it was weird to see so many people wearing Jurassic Park shirts. Not Jurassic World, Jurassic Park shirts. And didn't even give me give me a second look. I was like, wow, okay. Nobody knows who Hammond is. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen a lot of that conventions here with the same thing. Like someone's gone to a local store and picked up a a, a shirt um, just to go to conventions like this and show mm-hmm. that, hey, I used to know this franchise or property or whatever else. And then going past tables that are designed or featuring stuff from that franchise and they don't even stop to look at it. Yeah, yeah it was it was very, very uh, disappointing. <laughs> mm. I was like, okay. But um... I I went to uh, Star Wars Celebration uh, last April and I kind of I kind of did like a generic Rebel soldier outfit and I had a I brought a lightsaber but I was like afraid they would take one of, they would 
they wouldn't let me through. I wasn't sure if there'd be metal detectors or not. Uh huh. Yeah. And they ended up they ended up having them, but you but like they didn't like if they saw it was a lightsaber, they didn't even bother with you. But I didn't want to even want to chance it because I wouldn't. I didn't want like my stuff can take it away from me, mm. you know. So I ended up bringing a plastic toy one instead. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, safe. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad that that's getting that way, but I mean, there's crazy people out there, I guess, and they'll mm-hmm. jump on the chance to do something, some harm. Well, yeah, some of the the really large weapons like the swords now, I can sort of understand because just the attendance at these conventions are getting larger and larger. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're not growing into bigger spaces, so there's a lot of stuff jammed in there. If you've got someone trying to walk through a crowd in an Iron Buster suit, a Hulk Buster suit, or a, some, a big sword like that, like it's going to cause problems. Uh, but a, a thing, cane, I, I wouldn't think a cane would be that problematic. Yeah, uh, the thing, because it was, it was, um, I, I carved that cane out of a mop stick, so it was like it was wood. It was a hard wood. Ah, okay. So I guess like you know. They thought I could just hit somebody with it. But you know, the weirdest thing, though, which I thought – it's not even weird. It, it's just kind of moronic, really, oxymoron, which basically they told me I couldn't bring that in, right? But when you go inside the convention, they're actually selling swords. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was like, what? Like, okay, I can't I, – I even said it. I was like out loud. I was like, okay, I can't bring in my wooden cane, and it, which basically I'm not going to be hitting people with it. But this guy right here, or me, myself, I can walk up to that table, buy a sword, and chop somebody up. Like, <laughs> mm. it just doesn't make, it didn't make sense, but, oh well. Well, even I've seen at conventions here, like, you always have people dressed up in the, the Resident Evil umbrella uniforms, or mm-hmm. these sort of mercenaries and that walking around with the airsoft um, guns and that on them, like, fake guns with the orange caps on, of course, and yep, yep, having yep. to have them checked checked at entry and that to get into the event but then you can go around to airsoft exhibitors and that and buy the weapons or the fake weapons in the convention and not have them checked by security once you're in the mm-hmm. convention itself so yeah it's very very strange how those rules work i i, I don't know yeah oh well strange <laughs> because i i um noticed that like at uh the local conventions here you can buy um you know, like denix props Denix being like a full metal, um, they even sell Blanks, uh, uh, firearm replica manufacturer. And so, I mean, like, they're, mo- they're most, mostly they make non firing replicas, but they do make Blank shooters. And even, and I mean, you could always just paint a real gun with an orange cap on it, with an orange front on it. I've seen it done, you know? But at the same time, like in Star Wars, a lot of those, a lot of the, uh, the the guns they built the props off of, like um, and Han Solo's blaster was a D, was a C ninety six Mauser, and the stormtrooper blasters were um, what was uh, oh British Sterling submachine guns, and so these were, those were still live fire on the set. They actually <laughs> fire blanks on the set. You can see the blank shells flying out of the. Uh, pistols because uh it helped the animators uh do know when um it helped the animators know when to line up the uh the effect for the kind of whatever material is used in the blast the blaster shoot and it also helped uh give a real life kind of cock back to the uh 
back to the actors who were holding it. Mm. It was a different time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But no, that was a, um, getting back to the article itself, good work on that article, Dave, and uh, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what other ones pop up in the future there. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Alright, just briefly before we do get into the uh, the minute itself, a um, little bit of feedback. This past couple of weeks we had some good conversations over on the Facebook page in regards to that uh, the fence, the aviary fence. It um, sparked some good conversation there as to what, why, how it exists. Um, Jay, it's one sort of structure that you missed before we got to the aviary itself. Um, any thoughts on the fence, its design purpose? Well, the design itself, uh, how it's off the cliff or whatever, it's a, it's a good location, especially for the type of um, animals that are being kept in. Uh, the thing that I always thought was weird is um, I'm ruining the, the, the future minutes with this, but that um, where it has the opening, uh, like on the bottom for the river... Like oh no no, can... no 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 not the not not the actual aviary wall the um the fence the spinosaur crashes through oh oh okay <laughs> all right I thought we were talking about the aviary fence. no 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 not... <laughs> oh how okay um because we yeah, um I'll... we we sort of discussed then or during the minute of if it was um something that Maseroni built even though that wasn't a thing when Jurassic Park three was in you could sort of retcon that's why it's a different design or if it's um engines sure. first go at a fence before they built the fences on the park um, and stuff like that sort of looking yeah it does it does look very different to like the ones we see in the t-rex paddock or the perimeter fence in jurassic park um it has it doesn't look anything like either fences that we see in sorna in in um lost world as well there's like that mm. fence around the the village and that looks very similar to the jurassic park ones it it could very well be like a first design attempt and that's why it was just like more brittle for that thing to break through or it just you know it's just movie magic because that thing just burst through the fence <laughs> like a like a, you know, locomotive like mm. <laughs> i don't know how that i don't know man <laughs> it always boggles my mind how it just like burst through that but couldn't get through that like doorway <laughs> and just yeah. just ram that whole like little facility off the off the cliff into the cliff like off into the the aviary itself because if it bursted through that fence the power that the animal had to burst through there mm. could easily knock that facility off its foundation which it wouldn't have that much of a foundation being it's like built onto a cliff you know no. it's half of it's off into the cliff so it would have been easily just to ram that break through there that would have been actually a cool scene and have them yeah. just like like uh like running to get down into the aviary it would have been more of a push and then boom they go from one moment of like terror into another one like quick there they were actually they had a little bit of time but i guess they needed that for the the talk you know the eggs and all that yeah yeah true also like and i i've, I've been trying to push the thought of um it was four months past the new blair incident when the hurricane hit and what engine was still doing on sauna even after the park's demise, whether they decide to try and build a different fence after learning how the Trenosaur had escaped or anything like that. And that's that's more of a fence design. Not While, while there's electronic or electricity running through it, it can be designed to keep animals in without if there's a power loss. 
Mm. Yeah, that is interesting. Because, that, it, again, uh, being when that incident happened, they still, there was still, like, talk, I guess, uh, well, maybe we can do something about these animals. But then things happen and they just left it, left those animals on their own. But I feel like, yeah, after, after the incident in Nublar, it was just one incident. And Hammond was losing control of the company. And in those three years, uh, was it? Yes. No, four years. Uh, eventually, of course, his nephew took over. But in those four years, it probably was a battle of him trying to just have this island be a reserve and not make it another business venture. So in that time, there could have been time they were experimenting with like new fences, new dinosaurs, new lots of new stuff that we don't know. We'll probably never know, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. Mm-hmm. It should well, be a book. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? We we have that Claire book, but uh, it'd be nice to have a book of like the events that I I know we have some of that like information from. Um, the the viral sites and whatnot like little gaps of information that we've been able to, they they piece together but it would really be good to have a book about like after the incidents of Jurassic Park until Jurassic World mm-hmm. that whole gap like even we know what happens in ninety seven but it would be nice to know what happens between ninety three and when is it that Ron's Ronnie took over the islands or took over the um, reins of Gen? 98, I think? Yeah. yeah, right there. Five years, you know? Yeah. It'd be nice to know what happens in those five years. Like, everything. Like, detail for detail, you know? But, I don't I don't really see that happening, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sadly. that's... Exactly. It's sort of... From the moment that helicopter flies off into the sun, sunset at the end of Jurassic Park, there's... At that point in time, there's only two carnivores, or one carnivore on the loose, and all the other animals are contained. Power's restored. Why was no one sent back in? Why? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a rabbit hole we can go into. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, but yeah, it's good to uh, see some discussion on the Facebook page, guys, and uh, keep it up. Definitely keep on, keep on chatting there. We need to get to the coast. That was the plan. Are you sure? The closer you get to water, the bigger things get. Ready to get into minute 60. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. As we ended on minute 59 of Jurassic Park 3, Amanda and Grant had made their way across the bridge. Paul was reassuring Eric before he began his own trip across the walkway. As we open on minute 60, Eric slowly makes his way across the bridge as the thumping score begins to play silently in the background. At the four second mark, we cut back to Dr. Grant as he picks up a substance from the handrail of the catwalks and brings it to his nose to sniff it. At the 13 second mark, we cut back to Eric as he's nearing the halfway point of the bridge crossing and suddenly his hand shakes with the railing as the bridge shudders. At the 25 second mark, Grant comes back to where Amanda's standing at the end of the bridge and looks up as the mist begins to part and we can see a large caged roof above them. And Grant realises in shock that it's a bird cage. And Amanda asks, for what? At the 41 second mark, we cut back to Eric as he continues to stare forward into the mist. Beating drums of scores begin to pick up as the bridge moans and groans under the weight of something large approaching. And slowly, 
the adult Pteranodon emerges. Eric screams and runs back in the direction he'd come, calling out Dad. With this, Grant and Amanda and Paul and Billy, both hearing Eric, run out onto the bridge at full speed, throwing caution to the wind whether or not can hold their weight. And as the minute ends, the Pteranodon picks up Eric and begins to carry him deeper into the canyon. Oh, here we go. As we open on minute 60, Eric begins that slow walk across the bridge, or catwalk, um, across the canyon. And I love how we start to get this slow score of the drums beating, building up as he's walking across there. And I also love how we've got sort of rusted out railings, and Eric's still keeping a hand on one just in case the, fall, like the floor falls through, because he's just seen what happened with Grant last minute. But we cut across the uh, canyon to Grant as he picks up some crusty white material that's sitting on the handrail and uh, brings it up to his face and sniffs it. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of scratch and sniff going on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's weird, especially when it crumbles in his hand as he's bringing it up to his face too. Like, he might be getting a bit of dust, (laughs) a bit of particular. (laughs) 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 But it's sort of, it's our first little sign that there's something alive in here with him. It's sort of a little callback, too, to some of the stuff cut out from the Lost World where they get in the worker village and you can see the the Pteranodon feces on the buildings and that in the yeah. area. Just oh. thankfully he doesn't lick it. One <laughs> oh. science you should not lick. <laughs> well, we talked about it back when uh, Billy and uh, his counterpart are digging up the Velociraptor and how you could tell you think you can tell fossilised bone by the touch it with your tongue? And mm. You can touch it, period. Yeah. Fossils are, fossils are, like as Billy described, typically more smooth, whereas um, the rock around it is typically a bit rougher. Mm. Mm. But we get a look on Grant's face here as he suddenly <laughs> thinks he's just working it all out, and we cut back to Eric, continuing across in the fog, and uh, he's changed sides and is now running his hand along the right handrail. Because uh, in the previous shot, we did just see that the handrail was damaged halfway across um, across the bridge. But we uh, cut down to his hand on the rail as we hear a loud thud, and the whole, whole uh, rail shakes um, as something large sort of impacts the bridge. And that's when we get Grant come back to the end of the bridge where Amanda's standing and begins to look up, and we get a cut from deeper in the canyon looking back towards the bridge as the fog slightly clears to review the massive dome framework yeah. above the canyon. It's kind of weird because the shape of the dome is really inconsistent throughout this scene. We're kind of made to believe that there's one large dome at the mouth of the canyon or I mean across the across the canyon, but if you look at the production um, if you look at the production kind of sketch it kind of lays out the various locations of where each set is meant to be within the correlation to the actual living actual canyon and it's interesting because it's actually the mouth of three canyons or well two canyons connecting at a intersection so you have the the half dome going across the canyon and then you have like one section of the canyon going off further and deeper in, away from the dome section. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and then you get the um, later on when they're leaving 
the aviary all together in the boat and you look back up and it looks like the dome's only covering uh, one side of the canyon wall. Mm-hmm. Then you can see sort of the, the, the top of the canyon where it's fenced off, heading back deeper. Mm-hmm. Jay, you uh, you want to be on this minute with the, the aviary as well. You're not going to be here when we do see the dome later on. Any thoughts on the, the design of the aviary itself? Uh, like like I was saying later uh, earlier, I when I thought we were talking about that. Um, yeah, like I like the whole design and everything, but um, you know when we do see that uh, that like entryway or like that exit into the river, it's it's a big enough like like area where the, the these Tyrannodons could actually escape. If you see them kind of just like hanging out, rolling into the water, picking at Billy falling in the water or whatever i understand um they might not like going into the water that much but i don't know i i feel like it could be it they could have escaped a long time ago through that exit <laughs> well it's it's we do see billy and grant sort of sw- or paul and grant swim through it um when they exit the <laughs> when they exit the building and um the trennels don't flow fall follow but obviously that's there to allow fish and that to swim into the aviary, which would be their food source, which means they'd have to dive into the water to catch said fish. Because mm-hmm. we see we see later when we're sort of following Billy parasailing around the canyon, there's no, there's very little greenery apart from sort of mould on the, the rocky walls. Um, yeah. And if they're, we see that they're meat eaters from the bones and that later, they've got to be getting fish from this stream. Mm-hmm. And they'd have bigger fish coming in from out the sea end than what would be coming in from the stream end. On the opposite end, but but yeah, that is that is an issue, having that large opening down there at the bottom of the dome. Yeah, it's uh, I was not. I think I saw. I was watching JP3 uh, not too long ago, and I remember like I've seen it again, but it just caught my attention again, and I was just like, you know, they really could have just gone out that exit a long time ago if they were desperately trying to leave, like. Mm. You know, but then again, who knows? Because uh, maybe that wasn't their plan the entire time, and they just that one that came down onto the fence. You know, that one that's like when they're leaving is like hooked onto the fence, like hitting it. Maybe that one figured the door was open, mm. called to the others, "Hey guys, guess what? We can go." Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can go now. <laughs> <laughs> like Forget the about the babies, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I recall that. I recall that um, scientists theorized that Pteranodon typically did not try to actively swim because the pycnofibers on their bodies and wings would kind of cause them to be heavy and not be able to fly. Mm, so it's possible okay, that that, that that instinct was still kind of ingrained in them, and that they just didn't. Typically, want to they didn't typically want to dive under the water for an extended period of time, because the water's not really very um, super deep here. It's probably maybe seven feet deep at most at the at the edge there, around the center. It's bit it's a bit uh, shallower. We see probably about like knee deep water that Billy's running through. But yeah, I'd have to. See, I, sorry, was I? That's a good oh. explanation. That's a that's yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't think we, of do, that. we do see them sort of when they're attacking Billy later. They're just sort of hovering, flapping above the water's waterline, mm-hmm. sort of jamming, ramming their beaks down into the water to get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I suppose it, it makes it hard too with uh, 
Jurassic World and seeing him dive into the water there after Zia, but not Zia, Zara. <laughs> um, but again, different species, I suppose we can chalk that up to. Mm-hmm. And one thing in the in the novel that we'll get to a bit later, these animals are described or hinted at being a lot larger than what the real animals would be. And uh-huh. InGen, InGen doing their genetic tampering and not having it on their list. And very different from the Lost World ones, too. Mm. Yep. Like, I, I think the... No, the Jurassic World ones are pretty big, too. Because uh, that one scene where that one kind of dives down, gets tranked, and, like, the beat goes right at, like, Gray and Zack. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. True. Yeah, that was, I was, a, thinking the that same was thing. a big pteranodon. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was a real big one. Um, and these ones were pretty big, too. But these had that classic pteranodon look. The one from Lost World had... Uh, uh, it's it, somewhat classic, but it's a, they're all... They're all like subspecies of the pteranodon. I I I forget their names. They have like it's pteranodon something on synops or lagsops or whatever. Um, uh, you you know David. You probably know. Yeah, there is yeah. Ingens, uh, which I think is kind of a nomen dubium now because and so um. Let's see. There was. Let me check out the different species. Here, real quick. I know there was in there was uh oh longiceps is the there you go. main species, and then there was um, ingens, which was I think is considered nomium dubium now, which is it's like kind of up in the air. It's like tro tri uh what is it troodon, where they're not really sure whether it's a valid species anymore or not. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh Sternbergi, which I think got yeah it did it got a uh, it's now Geosternbergia. Mm-hmm. But did any of... Okay. Did any of those actually have teeth, though? Because we see the no. JP3 ones have teeth? No, that is that is a genetic fuck-up. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I actually mentioned that to one of my geology professors one time, and he just... He looked like somebody hit him with in the face with a brick. <laughs> like, wait, Tyranodon with teeth? I've always thought... Like, like, yeah, I knew that pteranodons don't have teeth, and like, uh, just seeing, like, I know, uh, I think, um, I'm probably pronouncing the ra- name wrong, but I've always pronounced it this way, Ramphorhynchus. I, I know they have teeth. The same way. They yeah, have, they, they have, have like, because they, they eat, um, little insects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, Ornithochiris, I think, is the other one, has teeth as well. But pteranodon has always been depicted with, without teeth, and then, like, when I first saw JP3, I didn't notice the teeth. I started noticing the teeth when um, I saw stills from the movie. I'm like, do they have teeth? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I'm like, yeah, the um, it's funny because the um, name Pteranodon literally means tooth or wing without tooth. It's or toothless wing or something. It's something like that. And so they're named specifically. With the fact that they don't have teeth in mind, <laughs> so uh, I, I, the Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park Legacy came up with a subspecies name for it, uh, Hippocratsy or something like that, just because they're hypocrites. Literally, they they're trotted on with teeth. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, saber tooth uh, tiger without any saber teeth, you know. <laughs> Now, do um, 
Do the Jurassic World ones have teeth? I don't remember. I know the toys they, do. The toys yeah. have teeth on them. No, when you when you see, uh, you mentioned the one that um, kind of crash lands right in front of Zack and Gray in Jurassic World, and you get a good close up at the mouth in that scene. And no, they don't. They didn't have any teeth. The yeah. toys probably did because Hasbro is well, Hasbro. <laughs> yeah, you know, I. I it's funny because I just looked back behind me. I forgot I have a one of the um, Jurassic World toy panels uh, on the on my wall. I just looked back. It's a huge one that says Pteranodon. Yeah, right there. <laughs> There's no teeth on it. I was like, wait, I have I have the proof. Where is it? There it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just they look very strange in Jurassic World. They they look like like I don't know. They don't look right to me. Mm. The Jurassic World ones or the um, ones here? Oh, uh, the Jurassic World ones. I, oh, yeah. They're... I feel like if you mix the Lost World one with the JP3 one, I think mm-hmm. there's the – between those two, like the, the Lost World one just looks like one of the scientifically like drawn ones that you see, like one of the, the, the subspecies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Jurassic Park 3 one looks – like it but it has a little bit of like classic pteranodon monster from the old days in it mm-hmm. and then the jurassic world one i don't know what the hell like with that the body is like 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 weird it, it, it's just strange the and entire thing is misshapen it looks like they pulled uh a thin sheet of flesh over the skeleton and that's and then said okay we're good it has like no muscles at all uh-huh. it's just yep. terrible Yep, yep, and even the face, I'm looking at it right now, it has like almost like a skull face, like it's all indented it in. Yeah, it's like, it, somebody, it's like if you've ever seen the diagram of a skull with its eyeballs mm-hmm. uh, in it, that's exactly what the Jurassic Park, uh, the Jurassic World Pteranodon looked like. Yep, the Dimorphodons look good, I, I, I think they looked alright. Yeah, they're the, okay. But the Pteranodons, nah, I don't know, man. It, they just don't look right to me. I think well, they're hideous. Just, they're one of my least favorite designs in the entire franchise. Yeah, and we've, we've talked before about some of the designs in Jurassic World, how they didn't quite get them right. Oh, no. There. The Allosaurus has been a big debate. Mm, the Stegosaurus. <laughs> yeah, they, they just went back to, like, the old, like, designs from the old days. Like, mm-hmm. even the... Like lumbering, slow, uh, like all the herbivores in Jurassic World just look like they're just like, <laughs> just walking around. They're like, oh look, there they are. Oh look, it's hitting a tree again. Oh, <laughs> they look, they look very slow. Like they don't look like these active dinosaur like these active herbivores that we know triceratops they should be running around ramming stuff hitting the jeeps you know what i mean it feels yeah. like all of them were tranked like all of them been like dumbed down by wound that's probably what they did actually if you think about it they probably did because that that reminds me of uh version 4.4 from the novel where um Wu wanted to basically downgrade the dinosaurs to mm-hmm. be slower and more like public perception because he was like they're too fast, they're too real, they're just they're too much for the public perception. You know? Exactly. And that's the whole reason the, the Jeeps in Jurassic Park had the red stripes on, because in the book, yep. 
the um, trucks were ramming the jeeps, and mm-hmm. now you've got gyrospheres, <laughs> clear balls just roaming around in between them, and it's like their yeah. aggressive switches have been turned off. I I think so, man. I I think, and I think the ones that weren't turned off. This is all like cool theory right now, but like I feel like the ankylosaurs were the ones that didn't they didn't get it just right with the the tr- you know tranking them down, dumbing them down a little bit because the ankylosaurs were out there just ramming stuff. They they went after that and that the Indominus, that one that stood up, that brave soul. <laughs> <laughs> it stood against the Indominus, you know. And um, I feel like even the tri- if they would have put one of those Triceratops in front of the Indominus, it would have been like, oh, what is that? I'll just roll on my belly. Yeah, like, wait a minute, let me lay down. <laughs> yeah, you know, they didn't look too too smart, man. And um, even in Fallen Kingdom, they just they were still very lumbering. Like I I really do not like how they retro like the designs from like the designs from Lost World were perfect. Yeah, you could update them if you want, you know, of course, with moving signs, but like. You look at the difference between the Stegosaur and the Stegosaur that they have in Lost World and in Jurassic World. Difference is staggering. How it just it just does not look right. And like you look at the concept art though, it's it's not bad. Like the concept art, it still looks very reminiscent to um, Lost World. But then when I don't know what happened in between concept art and the CGI work that it just it just went backwards, and mm-hmm. they just looked bad. And then in Fallen Kingdom, they looked even worse. That one scene, I, I think we've talked about it before, where, where Wheatley takes the tooth, and the, the thing doesn't have a, a beak, and it just mm. looks very Muppet-ish to me. Well, that I don't only know. does it not have a beak, but the tooth has a mammalian uh, root system. Oh, God. It's, it's got, like, a three-pronged uh, roots, like a, like a human tooth. Uh. <laughs> Yes. You know, a little bit of a little bit of the original Jurassic Park four sneaking in there. <laughs> <laughs> little do we know that the entire time the only animal that was spliced with human DNA was a Stegosaurus. That's it. Oh. It's funny because when I first saw the trailers and I was and they started showing the herbivore scene where with the gyrosphere and we saw the all the herbivores uh, standing around in the field and I I noticed the Stegosaurus and I'm like. What the hell? Why does this thing? Why is his tail dragging? And I took a screen cap from the YouTube uh, uh, video and posted it. Posted a like a short rant on Facebook about it. And then all of a sudden, it started getting traction. And uh, uh, Thomas Holtz uh, uh, shared it. A couple of his followers shared it, and then I think a couple other paleontologists shared it. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know is I'm seeing an article, why are the paleontologists hating on Jurassic World even though it's not even out yet? And I'm like, it's my fault that they're fault that they're that they're hating <laughs> on it, isn't it? You know? Well, Some would have found it. It's well it's justified. It, you know, there's a lot of designs that just really were not good. Um one of the, the ones that I I've absolutely hated, like I loathe this design is the Allosaurus design in Fallen Kingdom. I hate that design. Like I love Allosaurus. That's like mm-hmm. a, a really, really badass dinosaur, um, and it is drawn awful. Like it is 
in an awful looking thing. Like I remember when when we saw the trailer, same thing. But I didn't look at the Stegosaurus. I was uh, for Fallen Kingdom though. Um, you see a dinosaur running next to the dryosphere. I'm like, what is that thing? What is that? And I'm like, oh, it, whatever it is, it looks goofy as hell. Like it doesn't look like a real dinosaur. It looks like it came out of uh, Lamp before um, Lamp before time. You know, mm-hmm. and and then. Then people are saying, "Oh, it's a Sukumimus." I'm like, "Oof, that's an ugly Sukumimus." <laughs> and then me. somebody, I, I was like, "I first saw it, and I'm, and all I saw, I could, all I could see of it was the snout pointing down with a thin snout, yeah, kind of yeah, long." I'm like, "Awesome, we finally got Sukumimus in the uh, movies." And but, then yeah, and- uh, one of my friends, uh, kind of, uh, who has one a bit more inside info than I do. Uh, Message me on Facebook and says that's not the uh, that's not the Sukumimus. Don't tell anybody, but that's the Allosaurus. I'm like, ew, <laughs> that's yeah, the Allosaurus. I, yeah, when I found out it was the Allosaurus too, I was like, this is this. I think I'm I'm pretty sure I, I I I did almost the same thing like you, but instead with Stegosaurus, I put an Allosaurus clip, and I was like, that is not an Allosaurus. I'm like. That is the ugliest looking Allosaurus I've ever seen. Like that, who did the concept art for this? And then like I saw like the concept art, and they took it straight from that. And I'm like, nothing against the artist, but he didn't know what the hell he was drawing. Like I'm sorry, you didn't. I don't know what references you used, or or what he was trying to draw, or if he's trying to you know draw from like um, Valley of Guanji. You know, like that thing didn't look like an Allosaurus that we have nowadays. You know. Mm-hmm. I, it just the, like he didn't use the right skull. I don't know, man. It there's so many things wrong with it. Like there's so many things wrong. From and, what I've heard, it's the juvenile in Fallen Kingdom, and we'll see the adult version in Battle of Big Rock that airs before the Hobbs and Shaw movie. I heard the same thing, but uh, I, I think that's just I don't know. I think because they they. I don't know, dude. Even the like larger version still doesn't look right. I, I, the toy looks okay, but I've I, I've seen what the larger version looks like. Yeah, I've I have too. It. You have right, and it mm-hmm. yeah, it's an improvement, but it's very how would I say? It's very Jurassic World ish. That's the best way to put it. You know what I mean? There's a certain like style they're making these dinosaurs look now it, you know there's the jurassic park style and then there's a jurassic world style yeah you i've know? noticed that too yeah it's it's weird even with the triceratops you look at them and they got somewhat of a similarity to the old triceratops that we know and love but it's still different and same thing with the rexy and same thing same thing with the raptors mm-hmm. you look at the raptors they look different you look uh they do they look just off the teeth are wrong the head shape is wrong uh-huh. the snout shape the finger, they, the fingers are wrong even where they place the nostrils is wrong they place them mm-hmm. a little more like up or something and well, like uh no pelvic bone the tails are shorter and meatier i did a yeah, whole no they're fat whole yeah they're fat Facebook. yeah they yeah, are these, these raptors are fat like uh i was saying uh i was comparing some like the mattel raptor toys and i said uh the newer uh, blue that they came out with, that like mm-hmm. Savage Strike blue, or whatever, not the jumping one they've made a million times of, 
the the new one or whatever they they piece together other parts of the other dinosaurs. That one looks more to blue, more like blue to me than mm-hmm. the battle damage. Battle damage looks like a classic raptor. If you it take does. out the, it's perfect. I love that sculpt. <laughs> yeah, if you if you take out those little like pebbles that it has on its bat on on its neck, that is uh-huh. a Jurassic World raptor. Because they didn't have that in the old ones. They didn't have these like little like like round pebbles on them. Um, it's the perfect raptor design. Now, mm-hmm. the newer blue that looks like more to bl- more like blue to me because blue's fat dude she is not a slim like raptor from like the old days she's not a, no. a slim raptor like the lost world ones or the jp3 or even the jurassic park ones she's 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 thick <laughs> <laughs> you know? we're gonna get uh, some hate from the fandom on this one i think oh. <laughs> how dare you call her fat <laughs> yeah, no, she's, I've I've been getting a little bit of hate here and there for some of my opinions lately, but I, I, I don't care. I have to voice them, man. You have to. I know. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yep. Well, that's... Oh, uh, wow. That was a that huge tangent a, right there. <laughs> that might be our biggest yet. <laughs> Hitting on all five movies <laughs> and several different <laughs> subjects. <laughs> uh, shall we go back, and, <laughs> go back and actually see the reveal to Trenodons before we start talking about oh, it? Oh, that's... <laughs> Yeah, that was that was that was crazy. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. We uh we cut back as Eric looks forward, worried as something worried as something. Solly makes its way towards him in the fog, and he whispers, "Mom," which interesting that um he'd think it's his mum coming back. Talking <laughs> uh, <laughs> we... about heavy, I guess she got heavy when she came back. <laughs> yeah, I put on what she sounds. She's skipping across the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say I do like the music in this um, in this part of the scene here, just because that it reminds me a lot of the Lost World with that dum dun dun yeah yeah dun, yeah the slow drum beat going on. And this was Davis, right? Uh, uh yeah. yeah, Don Davis, right? Is it Don Davis? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that the music in this scene is perfect because it is. It is like feeding into your soul that something bad is about to happen, and like you're just like Grant. Oh, we're in a birdcage. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. As that drumming continues, we cut back to Grant and Amanda as uh, he looks up and <laughs> says those words. Oh my God, it's a birdcage. Mm-hmm. And she responds, "For what?" But... And there's a actually a deleted line here that was in the script where Grant replies for something else that wasn't on Injun's list. Hmm. That would have been cool if they would have left that on there. I agree. Uh, I think that would have been alright. Meanwhile, back across the bridge where Eric stopped, um, the 43 second marks when we get that gorgeous reveal of the Pteranodon coming out of the fog. And as Eric screams and turns and runs, um, that drum beats sort of transitions into the main theme for the Avery chase, but... Um, as for reveals in the franchise, like number one would probably all say is the uh, Tyrannosaur breakout, just the footsteps, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. then the, uh, the the clawed hand on the fence. But where's oh, this yeah. sort of reveal come compared to some of the others in the franchise? This is this is a good one, but now you got me thinking back all the reveals. I'm like, wait, <laughs> the Brachiosaurus yeah, the... is still a top for me, along it with the is... Stegosaurus. I would I would say. You know what I would say? I'd, I have to. 
I would have to separate them, like, from herbivore, uh, like, good reveals, like, happy reveals, I guess, and scary mm-hmm. reveals. Like, even though no, none of them ever really scared me, but, like, it would be, like, scary moment reveals of, like, these these dinosaurs. Like, um, like the Brachiosaur is a happy reveal. You're, it's beautiful seeing this thing. But then again, when I see the T-Rex, it's beautiful as well, but it's in a more horror type of beautiful, I guess. Um... Yeah, well, that's that's it. I mentioned here, <laughs> whether it be in your top five, and I don't think you could actually make top five. That was probably an impossible <laughs> thing to ask. And oh yeah, no, it's even, it's, even it's just, yeah, even just another reveal from this film that we talked about earlier is just that silhouette of the raptor running past the windows in the mm-hmm. um, administration building. Just mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, the, old, the oh crap! <laughs> like the 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 first raptor reveal in Jurassic Park is a, an an amazing reveal. Yeah. John, I think we're back in business. Boom, the thing's like yeah. right behind her. That's one of the best scares, you know? Um, but at the same time, I'm more of a sucker for the kitchen scene. It's not really a reveal because we've already seen the raptor, but that entrance where the raptor, uh, all we hear is the purring sound. Oh, and yeah, then yeah, also yeah. you see the snout come into the uh, window and then it breathes on the glass. And then we see the... it uh, look look down and the door suddenly opens hmm. well that, that was awesome especially considering five seconds earlier you had ellie telling grant or grant pumping the shotgun and saying you're sure the third one's contained and she says yeah. yes yes let's figure out how open doors and then all of a sudden here we get see, to see that mm-hmm. you see what you did brad you just <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna go through all the best reveals <laughs> uh, well, that is, I'll, I'll, that is such I'll a great it. one, though. That is such yeah. a great one, though. It really is, and you know, I mean, uh, I think it's like uh, the re- also the reveal with the with the triceratops. How how amazing is that? When when like the reaction of the actors was genuine because mm-hmm. um, if you watch the behind the scenes. It was like the first one they filmed with that was an actual like real dinosaur like laying there and their 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 reaction seeing this thing look so alive is so genuine so real that it gets you uh like it's completely a little yeah, yeah it really does it's like wow and then you know hearing granko she was my favorite as a kid that's spielberg saying that because spielberg mm-hmm. loves the triceratops and he talks about how his dad got him that little triceratops from i think the franklin institute he says and um you know so like a lot of like the big reveals were in Jurassic Park but like newer dinosaurs i guess we would say like this one with the pteranodon is an incredible reveal because this thing how it looks is so horror it, it's just walking there je- like quietly knowing it's it's like it's it's pretty much just like that's yeah. Your time's up. Here I am. Like, you know, and, and it's got his beak down. It's walking on its wings. Because, like, um, these creatures, when we watch, like, science documentaries, you know, like, uh, dinosaur documentaries, walking with dinosaurs, we get to see these things walking on their wings. You don't really see that now, like, unless you see, like, a bat or um, what's another animal that kind of, yeah, it's really bats that walk like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And people don't really too often see bats walking on the ground, you know? So mm-hmm. unless you're, like, not used to dinosaur documentaries, seeing this thing walk on 
on its wings across that bridge is otherworldly. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. So that entrance is like it is an incredible entrance for this dinosaur. Well deserved because this is something that like they wanted in the franchise for a long time, and they kind of got a glimpse of it in Lost World. But finally, you're able to see these guys in action and going after the humans, which is cool. Yeah, well, that's the, the whole action scene was cut from the Lost World at the end, mm-hmm. and maybe here, being three years later, the effects are just that little bit better with the animatronics and that, and there's some great um, behind-the-scenes material from Stan Winston Studios out there of just building yeah. these puppets, oh, the animatronics, and how they had a guy in this thing with um, <laughs> and puppeteers operating it. Yeah, have you seen that? Unfortunately on... not. Sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to break the bubble. They wanted to. They built it. They tried to test it out, but they just could not get it to look right. And unfortunately, I don't think they. What I heard is that they ended up CGIing over it. Mm-hmm. It, was they a did. Move, it was the movements, wasn't it? Because the, the human movement inside the suit wasn't wasn't doing what they wanted it to do, or something. Yeah, that's what yeah, I heard no. too. They show, um, they show on, I think, what is it, Returning, Return to Jurassic or something on the yeah, Blu-ray disc. Like that. You hear, um, is it Rosengrant or Rosenbrandt or whatever the the, yeah, the guy that, yeah, him. He he's the one saying that that they wanted to use the suit and they couldn't. But you get to see like real quick, like some uh, like test shots of them walking in the suit and it's really cool. But mm-hmm. I guess eventually like it just not what they wanted, but. Speaking of those like Lost World scenes that you said that they got cut, they ended up using some of those scenes for Jurassic World. The whole mm, Tyrannodon yeah. attacking the helicopter, bursting through the bubble, and all that. Almost all. some of them almost shot for shot. Yeah. Yep. yep. Even the one with the two guys. Um, there's a storyboard picture out there where with a swarm of Tyrannodons coming up over a field, and it's shot between the uh, the backs of two guys, and that's. That's in Jurassic World. That's you get to see the the you're looking from behind two guys, and then the swarm of the Pteranodon comes up. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 But it's sort of one of those things too. Like the amount of time we get to see this animal walking across the bridge. It's it's very the colors very muted. The we got the fog there or the mist there trying to hide it. It's reveal as well. I don't know. I don't know if it being animatronic or CG would really make much of a difference here in just what we get in this shot. Agreed. This is it like Jay said is a good it's a good reveal. It's spooky, it's very oh, horror like. Yeah. I mean he just kinda comes up out of the fog. It's almost like Slender Man the dinosaur. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's it it you might as well put a mask on that thing. It 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 looked like uh like one of those horror slasher kind of reveals like there in the fog just walking through. Um, when you think about it as well, like every other dinosaur or creature that has been uh, a force of nature in these movies has always been terrestrial, you know, has always been on the ground. It's, you can run from the, from it and whatnot. This one, you, you, you can run, yes, but it's not chasing you on foot. This thing is flying over you. So it was like really cool to finally get a different type of attack. And a different point of view of of another of a creature that can attack you in a different form, that like is exciting. You know, it it, it brought something new, and that's one of one of the best things in in a JP three that I loved was the Tur- this scene. This whole entire scene was great. Yeah. 
yeah, that's the problem. A lot, of, a lot of a lot of fans would say yes, Jurassic Park three is the worst, but they'll always point out the aviary and the Tremzons as their best aspect of the film. Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely it's one of my favorites. A lot of times I just go straight to that scene. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Eric screams out "Dad" and runs back towards Paul, and we get to see Paul and Billy hear him and run straight out of the bridge. And I love how. Uh, they're not worried about the uh, rickety, how rickety the bridge is here, because um, on the other side, Amanda and Grant do the same thing, just run straight out on the bridge, so now you've got four four adults running across it. But we yeah. uh, cut back to Eric as he's running, and the Trenodon takes flight and uh, grabs him by the shoulders and flies off the bridge. We get a good little POV shot here too, which I love that they included here, of Eric sort of looking back, or the camera looking back at the bridge as the Trenodon flies away as the two groups come together in the middle. And that fog's still pretty thick in the middle there. Um, hmm. But that's when uh, Paul's the, four, the first to break off and start chasing after his departing son. He sort of starts running back across the bridge and they make their way towards the uh, the platform they come down from the observation deck on. But uh, as the minute ends, we get a CG shot of the Pteranodon flying deeper into the canyon as the fog begins to clear a little bit and you can sort of see the roof of the cage above it as well. But... We got a photo here in the, in the chat too. We mentioned it a bit earlier with the uh, the layout of the uh, the canyon. Sort of interesting that the uh, the catwalks sort of on the observatory side sort of they're the only ones that go deeper into the canyon. Where from this bridge they both seem to just go down to where the uh, where land sort of comes in past the dome. They can mm. access the ground. It is interesting. But, but also interesting. Well, a good thing too the whole, the whole reason for this canyon shot is just the different filming locations like the whole lower observatories on stage 27 whereas um out in the back lot you've got falls lake which uh most of the um the nesting area and uh no the aviary entrance and um the walls were built and we'll get some photos of that up in the group of just some of the what they actually built <laughs> out in that universal back lot um that's so cool and it's, it transitions pretty well, I think, between the set and the outdoor sets and the CG, apart from that uh, front dome design. But just into the uh, script and novel comparisons briefly, in the script we get more than just the hand railing shutter. Eric can feel gust of wind, and then a heavy thud on the bridge bridge causes it to sway. Um, as Paul runs out on the bridge after hearing Eric cry, Billy sort of says, wait, it won't hold. And... Billy doesn't run out on the bridge. Instead, he begins running back towards the observation room because he has an idea. And in the novel, um, we get a bit more description of the animal, 30-foot wingspan um, folded up beside it. And Eric thinks to himself, according to paleontologists, pteranodons weren't supposed to have wingspans this large. The creature was genetically engineered to be a giant. And uh, this would mean it's bigger and stronger than the pteranodons who sailed the sky 65 million years ago. Stronger and capable, practically... Practically anything, a true Tyrannodon couldn't lift a boy's size, but this creature. <laughs> and this is all sort of him internal monologuing as he's uh, looking at the Tyrannodon approach on the bridge. But um, Eric continues, it was far from the first time over the past eight weeks that he'd looked into such dark, hungry, hungry eyes. And uh, he sort of yells at the Tyrannodon, you want to eat me? He yelled, then catch me. <laughs> Which is something they cut from the film, but would have been interesting for him to yell that out at the uh, the animal and then turn and run and be caught five seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, nuts. <laughs> that didn't work at all. <laughs> um, but that's uh, that's minute 60. Jay, anything else you want to add? Uh, 
any tangents you want to go on while we still got you? Um, basically, like I said, it's one of the, the, the coolest scenes in the entire film for me. Um, there's a, this whole entire Pteranodon scene is the whole aviary scene. is just one of my favorites of the entire film. There's like two looks of the Pteranodon, which, it, which like I really loved was the scene where it's on the bridge and then one that's late in later minutes that you guys will talk to talk about. Um, sorry if I'm spoiling it for the guys listening, but <laughs> it's, it's the scene where Billy's like being eaten up by the Pteranodons and they're looking out there, him being, and there's, there's one just sitting there and it's blurry and then it goes into focus and it looks straight at Grant and and Paul. <laughs> and dude, that it's giving me goosebumps right now. That's it's it's face. It looks just crazy. I it it looks crazy. I like this thing looks like it's just these Torontos are not right. <laughs> they are not <laughs> right. There, there's something wrong with these big like uh reptiles. Um I was going to say big birds, but like uh <laughs> It's just, like, really cool, like, how he just, like, turns around so slowly. Like, it's not really animal-like. Uh, not animal-like. I would say, like, um, it's not something I think an animal do with behavior kind of looks slowly. It's more human, I feel. Because an animal, I think an animal would turn around and look faster, like, with a quickness, you know? Kind of like birds do, some lizards, whatnot. But um, a human does that. Human kind of looks back, kind of menacing, you know. So it's it's weird it did that, but it's just it just is one scene that just sticks in my head. That that face, just looking back, and they're like, and you know, like Paul and Grant, like, oh man, let's go. Well, you so, can see the look on their face as, well, as like, it sort of cuts from that to them, and uh, we just they just seen Billy getting pecked at and going around. And there's animals turning its attention to them and oh <laughs> they're like uh time to go you know yeah. <laughs> so like those those two like visuals of that Toronto looking back and then the one on the bridge it's it, they're incredible they're really well done um and just the whole scene in general you know him being just the Toronto Don scene is just my absolute favorite of the film and you guys know about my other, how I feel about other scenes in the film, <laughs> you know. But this one is just like, just great because you don't have a, like Jurassic World had a scene with the pteranodons, which is pretty good. But this one was more, the other one was so chaotic, you didn't know where to look. You know, that there's so many things going on at once. You're like, oh look, that one's going there, that one's going there. This one was more centralized on this little group, so you get to see more of like their their violent ferocity you know of these mm-hmm. uh of these uh creatures mm-hmm. you know so i i this one right here is uh this is a this is what makes jp3 great for me um this scene definitely gotta agree this scene is honestly it's inspired slightly by the um novel by the first novel where the Ceridactylus kind of takes uh, Lex. But mm-hmm. I think this is even better than that. You know? Yep. Oh yeah, they, they did a great job. 
If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are we on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on Earth or Heaven. You're desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Hello? Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! Take the phone to mommy! It's the, it's the dinosaur man! <laughs>